The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're talking with Charday Neighbors from Social Justice Fund Northwest. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined today by Charday Neighbors, who is an Oregon Project Manager for Social Justice Fund Northwest. How are you? Good. Well, as good as I can be <laughs> with all that's going on in the world, but I'm good. Yeah, that's a tricky question. It's a tricky question. So um, I want to, we have to define some of your organization here. So social justice, we'll get to that. Fund, we'll get to that. Let's just start with the easy one, the Northwest. What does that mean to you? Yeah, um, we use Northwest, Northwest in the larger sense. So our funding region includes Oregon, Washington, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. So for us, it's the greater Northwest. And um, I, I have to imagine that social justice in Idaho is different than social justice in Portland. Absolutely. We have a very diverse group of grantees, but there are clear differences in some of our more rural areas um, and, and less blue areas as well, um, where the fights might be just a little different. And let's get to that. So, so um, Social Justice Fund Northwest is 40 years old. Um, can you tell a little bit about the origin story? Um, I, you were not there, but um, what can you tell me about what you know? Yeah, I wasn't even alive yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> SJF is Gen X, I'm a millennial. So, um, but when it was started, it was, um, it was a group of wealthy friends got together and decided that they want to use collective power to move resources to the larger movement for social justice. So actually when we first were created, we were called a territory resource. Um, and the funding, the decisions, all of that was done by wealthier folks. Um, so throughout the years as analysis change, as you become more radical, as you start to learn more about the world around you, um, folks decided to shift the way that we did grant making um, and we became a member-based organization and members helped with grant decisions. Um, but it was still like, you know, you had to make a thousand dollar donation or more. So we took a step back from that and we lowered some of our requirements so that we can have even more diverse membership base. Um, and now the way that we do most of our grant making is through what we call giving projects, which we literally bring together 15 to 20 volunteers and they go through political education, skills building, and they raise all the funds and make the grant decisions. So having the people decide where the funds go when it comes to resourcing movements. Um, that, uh, that sounds fair and involved. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very involved. Um, that, as a project manager, that's what I do is facilitate the giving projects and they run for about six months, start to finish. So you know, some four hour weekend sessions where we do some deep political education work, talking about race and class, looking at like the racial wealth gap, 
um, kind of like how did we get here? Why are we doing this work to begin with? Um, and then learning all of the intricacies of systemic oppression so that when it comes to making the grants, they're actually using that lens and making equitable grant decisions. So it's a very involved process very rewarding process um, because you can take those skills and that analysis with you wherever you go, um, but also very meaningful to connect folks to a part of the movement as what we call donor organizers. And, and is it a new group then? Every, the donor organizers are a new group every, every year or every six months or how, how often does that change? Um, well, that's another thing that's changed about us throughout the years. At one point we had as many as nine giving projects in a year. Um, with a ton of overlap. I think even one of them was in Montana one year. I don't know how we pulled it off, but we did. Um, in recent years, we scaled back because of an organizational commitment to eradicating anti-Blackness and supporting Black liberation. So some of our capacity has gone there. Um, right now, we have two projects that are going to be running in the fall, one up in Seattle and one based in Portland, though both will be virtual because 2020. Um, but I think on average, we're trying to run about four projects a year um, and it would be a new group each time. So we have hundreds of alumni at this point um, and folks that keep coming back for more. <laughs> and and what what sort of what what scope of money are we talking about here? Um, that also varies. Uh, a typical giving project can raise anywhere from one hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand um, dollars like a big uh, accomplishment for us was last year, we had three giving projects running at the same time, um, environmental justice, gender justice, and our first black led giving project. And between the three of those, we were able to grant out over a million dollars um, to over 40 different organizations. So sometimes really big numbers, uh, sometimes a little smaller. Um, that was when we were giving out $20,000 grants, and now we've upped it to 30000 So the numbers have gone down a little as far as the amount of grants that we're making, but we're getting more money to these organizations to use. Those are significant numbers. Yes, nothing to, to frown at, <laughs> for sure. And they sound really intimidating to folks when they first hear them. Um, but when you see the power of a giving project, it's totally possible. And... and um, this is, this is not just giving the money, I would assume. I mean, it's, you're involved after the money is given. Yes, well, we, um, throughout the giving project process, um, so once folks do a lot of the grant reading, they've read, read all the applications, they'll narrow it down to folks that they want to site visit. Um, so folks that they're like really interested in giving the money, but they wanna hear more about. Um, so they actually get to meet with the grantee organizations um, outside of 2020 that could be really spectacular when you get to go on site and see the work happening, um, you know, especially like youth programs, stuff like that, cultural centers. Um, but the site visit process is really interesting because it gives the grantees a chance to talk about their work outside of paper, which is really difficult to do, um, especially when it's complex work. Um, you're trying to impact systemic change. You know, you can't just write that down in a sentence. So giving them the opportunity to hear more about the organization and get connected. And then we allow folks the space to, you know, connect to these organizations individually. We, you know, share the report backs, you know, to give them updates on the progress. Um, and we do keep our grantees in our membership body. We ask them, you know, what grant cycle should we do in the future? What funding do y'all need? You know, really listening to them and their needs um, because we trust that they're 
experts. You know, they're the ones that are out there doing the work on the ground. We're just moving the resources around. So if they say they need something, we're going to listen. Can you give an example of, of, of one or two organizations that uh, Social Justice Fund Northwest worked with um, within the, maybe the last year or two? Yes. Um, one of our organizations, uh, one of our grantee organizations is the Portland African American Leadership Forum, also known as PALF. Um, they actually received uh, our first round of base building grants. So they are getting a $250,000 grant that's being paid out over five years um, to impact base building, as well as Pacoon, which is um, south of us here. And they do a lot of migrant works, uh, migrant worker rights and um, more culturally specific programming. Um, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> you know, at any given grant cycle, there's like between 10 and, and 30. Um, and so with, with Pacoon, um, and, and they're, they're in the, oh, I just forgot the name of, there's, there's a small town just sort of south by southeast of here that they're located in, I believe. Um, I think they're in Woodburn. Woodburn, thank you. Yes. Um, what, what was the grant, what were the funds for? Was that a capacity grant? Was that a specific project or program grant? Well, the big base building grant was for base building. So um, that particular grant is so that they can get more people, they can pay their bills, they can hire folks. Um, we grant out general operating funds, which is not traditional in philanthropy. Usually they're like project specific and require a lot of like detailed reporting. Um, this way people can choose to pay their lights, they can choose to pay their employees. We've literally given folks funds so that they can pay their very first staff. You know, when you've got the one person that's running the whole show who's not getting paid and they're like, wow, I have a salary now. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a large variety of things. And in general, our grants usually have like an issue area focus. Like I mentioned, environmental justice and gender justice. Um, so sometimes it's, it's based on that type of work. So they've applied for some of our immigrant justice grants in the past and have gotten that fund. So, um, and also like a lot of these orgs are working on multiple issues. So there's a lot of overlap where folks can apply for immigrant justice or criminal justice, um, environmental justice and all the like. Um, I'm pretty sure that PALF has received several different across the board for black led, for environmental justice, for base building. So there's a, a big variety um, and we want to keep, you know, it's important to have issue area specific work so that we're making sure that we're covering it, but also wanting to keep things open so that more folks have access points. And, and, and I would imagine in the um, criteria and the review that leadership is an important element that you're, you're reviewing. Can you talk about what, what does, um, uh, through the Social Justice Fund Northwest lens, what does good leadership look like? Oh, most importantly, leadership is something that's developed from within. You know, we, we look at that as one of our criteria is, is this organization giving their membership base an opportunity to then become leaders of the organization? Um, and also another part of that is, is it less led by the most impacted? So to be like, hey, I'm this guy here leading this organization is one thing, but like, hey, I'm this guy that's impacted by the work that this organization is doing and I'm leading it is another. So good leadership looks like someone who reflects who they're leading, <laughs> um, someone who has lived experience with the work that's being done, um, and someone who is willing to uh, pass that leadership opportunity off. 
Hey, let's take a quick music break. Um, you brought in um, something from Beyonce. Yes, Freedom by Beyonce. Um, it's just one of those songs that gets you going. It's called Freedom, so it's kind of a no-brainer. It's also uh, something that we have as an organization saying at karaoke to, to get us kind of juiced up and on the same page. So it's a winner. Correctional gates and high desert. Yeah. Open our mind as we cast away oppression. Yeah. 
Open the streets and watch our beliefs And when they call my name inside the concrete I pray it forever Freedom, freedom, I can't move Freedom, cut me loose Freedom, freedom, where are you? Cause I need freedom too I break chains up on myself Won't let my freedom run in hell Hey, I'ma keep on running Cause a winner don't quit on themselves That was Beyonce for song Freedom. This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined by Sharday Neighbors, who is an Oregon project manager for the Social Justice Fund Northwest. I want to talk a little, we were talking right before the music break about leadership and lived experience. Um, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, you born and raised Northeast Portland. Yes, I am actually what? My mom was born here. My grandma was born here. My great grandma was up in Seattle, but you know, been here for quite some time. I graduated from Jefferson High School, went to Tubman and King too. So very much a Northeast Portland kid. Um, and yeah, I started doing social justice work um, because I'm a black woman and, you know, it impacts my life. And, and that's what led me to social justice fund. And, and some of your interest has been in the public school sector. Is that correct? Yes, I am a mother of two. Um, they're in middle school now, so seven, eight years of, of fighting some really interesting systems within the public school uh, sector. Um, I was involved in a lot of the, the conversations around boundary changes that happened in Portland a couple of years ago. It feels like forever ago, um, but definitely made a point to advocate for black and brown students in Portland public schools based on my experience as a student and then also seeing it from the parent side of what my, my daughter especially was experiencing. Um, if you don't mind, I'll put you on the hot seat for a second and maybe you give a report card to PPS uh, in terms of social justice. What, what are they doing well and how could they improve? You know, recently they've hired some awesome people. <laughs> I'll say um, like Nicole Watson just got a principal position at a school and she's just like very dynamic, was working with their equity team uh, for a while. Um, so they are definitely taking steps uh, to diversify the thoughts that are in the room, which is super important. Um, and, you know, as performative as it may seem, like some of the statements and like Black Lives Matter week and all those things um, have actually been helpful I think mostly for kids to like hear from their teachers, from the adults in their life, like just the simple statement that you matter. Um, so that's some progress, but I do think there is a very, very long way to go. And, and, and sort of brings us to maybe the next question or into contemporary times here. Um, I would imagine it's been a very busy past few months for you and the Social Justice Fund Northwest. Yes. Definitely very busy, very dynamic. Um, our grantees are impacted by all that's going on in the world, you know, based on access to resources, <clears throat> based on, you know, environmental threats, um, and kind of like 
they were already struggling and they're going to continue to struggle after all of this passes. But with all that's happened in 2020 from the pandemic to fires, um, the impact has greatly increased for our grantees and that made us step our game up a little bit. Uh, how, how so? Uh, step, step your game up, how so? Um, in a variety of ways, uh, just like the normal shifts that everybody else have been making, it, moving things virtually has actually opened up access to a lot of our membership base that we didn't have contact with before, or at least consistent contact with. Um, and then we created new grant cycles. It started off as uh, we created a rapid response type of cycle. Um, that's outside of our usual rapid response cycle, but it was for COVID response. And it was just some quick, I think there were about $2,000 grants to go out the door for anybody that applied. We were rolling over applications like you've applied before here, you're going to apply to this. We were like doing a lot of outreach and just trying to get folks access to something right away. Um, and then a month passed and we realized like we're still in this and we're going to be in this for a while. So we came up with a grant cycle um, that was specifically for COVID-19 recovery and eradicating anti-Blackness because this was also around the time of George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor. So understanding that there is these multiple crises happening and our mission is to move resources to the movement. And we were getting resources. People were donating like crazy because they knew that folks needed the resources. Um, so we decided to funnel it out and move it out to our grantees um, we are actually in the middle of <clears throat> grant reading and decision making for that process. So hopefully, though that fund, those funds will go out the door fairly soon. And and with um, equity, social justice uh, being perhaps more of the mainstream media talk, um, is that helping? It absolutely helps get money in the door. Um, okay. It, it, you know, folks feel like they want to do something and they should do something. And we're a bigger organization with a 40 year history. So folks are like, they'll know what to do with it. Um, so it has, it has helped us um, increase our donations this year. Um, and then I guess part, um, maybe more complicated part of that equation is, is it helping uh, with the efficiency of those funds? Is it helping uh, organizations um, programmatically know where to go? Is you know, I think question? It, it's, it's complicated, I think. Um, I think we are clear organizationally where we need to throw a little more weight. You know, we have <clears throat> definitely have you know, we created the we created the grant cycle that was focused on eradicating anti-blackness, and then we actually are starting another uh, black-led giving project um, in a couple of weeks. And all of the participants, as well as the grantees, will be black for that project. So understanding, um, you know, that black folks are impacted in a very interesting way with all of that's going on, um, and that's making us want to back that work more. Even if our membership base isn't verbalizing that, I think there's some trust and understanding that SJF sees it. You know, we added um, eradicating anti-Blackness to our strategic plan back in 2018. So it's something that we've been about for a while, um, ahead of this trendy curve a little bit, um, which is really unfortunate to talk about it that way, but I, I definitely do see it as a trend. 
Um, and I think that that will help us direct some of the funds um, in different ways. And yeah, I think some, even some of our new donors or some of our donors who increased what they usually give, that was in large part of like recognizing where the funds needed to go. And, and you guys are an interesting organization. I mean, obviously in terms of the work that you do, but I'm thinking more in terms of the economics of your, of your organization in that you're giving out money, but you also need to bring in money. Yes, it's money is gross. <laughs> it's like this whole game. Um, and, you know, we're very many of us are very verbally anti-capitalist um, and, you know, social justice in general has to be anti-capitalist. Um, so it's like we're here playing the middleman and trying to get the resources to meet the people that need them. Um, but also know that, like, in the perfect world, we'd be working ourselves out of a job. So it, it, it's a very interesting balance. And it's kind of like taking advantage of the privileges that you know. So we know that we're a reputable organization. We know that we're well known. We know that folks with wealth specifically can trust us. White folks can trust us. They, you know, feel well established. Um, so we're getting a lot of funds that absolutely we would rather go directly to these organizations, right? Um, but we kind of play that line uh, to the best of our abilities while we're pushing for radical change as much as possible. Yeah, and, and so then last question on that, or let, let me let you make a pitch for Justice Fund Northwest. Yeah, we are a radical organization that relies on, you know, members to fundraise and, and make grant decisions. Um, and we are making sure that the grant decisions are not made by those at the top. You know, we're giving that extra push of allowing for some diversity of thought and background and experience to enter the room and influence these decisions. Because more than anything, we believe that the folks that are most directly impacted should be making decisions or should be dictating how the work is done. Um, and just trying to disrupt tra traditional philanthropy. Like if you're into disrupting stuff, if you're like, oh, these systems kind of suck, you know, like we're definitely the place for you, but. Um, Sardé, that's a very convincing, very convincing uh, um, argument or presentation for, for giving to Social Justice Fund Northwest. Sardé Neighbors is an Oregon project manager for Social Justice Fund Northwest. Um, do look for them in Willamette Week's Give Guide and Thank you for the work that you are have been doing and currently are are doing. Yes, thank you for the platform to talk more about it. The nonprofit happy hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.